love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. When we first started dating, I was also just starting to come out as well. So I wasn't fully out of the closet. So it's also going on the journey of finding really like true love and also being my true authentic self. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Paul and Corey. In spite of living in different countries, they found each other online almost 20 years ago. Since then, they've faced challenges and overcome obstacles, but they've also shared a lot of love with each other and with an international audience. Paul and Corey, I'm so excited to talk to you today. We're so happy to be here. There is just love woven through this whole story of yours, isn't there? Yeah, there's been a lot of love. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about how you met. You go for it. Well, we met in 2003 on a website called gay.com. <laughs> I was in Bermuda and Paul was in London, Ontario. And I guess it was love at first. Talk. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was before, um, we always joke about when we first met, it had just sort of been the end of the, I don't, there used to be this thing, and this is embarrassing to say the name of it, but I did not create this. It was called Manhunt. <laughs> so oh my gosh. We met um, on sort of the first opening of like really internet, internet dating. dating. So we were sort of the first, the first internet dating couple um, in a lot of, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And what was that opening up? Like what, what was your initial conversation? Well, Corey, I have to tell you, Corey found me. So <laughs> I said so hi first. He said hi first. And um, one of my rules was if you didn't have a picture, I, um, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any time of day to, to you. <laughs> and Corey, because there's a lot of people that are, well, like a little sketchy on some of those sites. Um, <laughs> so one of my rules was, you know, no picture, no, no kind of interest really and then Corey didn't have a picture which I thought was interesting and um I something in my heart just said to listen and I you know that inner that inner voice just said pay attention and I did and you know here we are today so your initial conversations were on the phone yeah no it was actually well we we met online so it's like a chat room kind of so it was through chatting through typing and um it was right at the precipice, like really of internet internet dating. dating. So it was right after, it was sort of all new. Like we didn't really know what we were doing. And, um, okay. So how did that blossom? How did the conversation blossom? Yeah. Well, I basically didn't believe that Corey would, um, sort of, uh, 
kind of stay in touch the way that, you know, the first meeting was amazing. We talked for, I think, probably like three hours at the, that Well, first, we talked at first online. For three hours or And so. then I called you. Yeah, and then Corey called me, um, which I sort of said he wouldn't do, and then he did. And then we just sort of started talking literally every day from that point forward. And... For multiple hours a day. Yeah, so for at least an hour or two every day, literally. And that went on for months. And then we actually ended up meeting... Um, probably a couple of months later, mm-hmm. it was in August um, that we we met the first time, and we had a very romantic getaway. <laughs> where, where, where? At Langton Hall in Cambridge, Ontario, and it still holds a very special place in our hearts today. It's yeah. we've gone back actually. We've gone back there for an anniversary, but it's one of the most beautiful properties. Um, if anybody ever gets a chance to go there, Langton Hall, it's a Relais and Chateau um, property. Okay, so I'm so curious to know what was it like actually laying eyes on one another in person after you had already fostered this relationship? Obviously, there was a bit of nervousness, nervousness, but <laughs> it just it just flowed organically. Like it was yeah, like the thing that was really interesting. I always say that when you when you meet someone online, um, it's an interesting experience because the chemistry's there obviously but when you get together it's almost like you're catching up. you have to catch up you know so i sort of we had, I've gone on some dates obviously before Corey, and i kind of knew that and it, the real telltale is when you get together but i was so nervous i know you were so nervous and that's a good sign and um we had an hour drive to get to langdon hall from london ontario it's about an hour drive and i remember just you know that that excitement too it was just you know, I fell in love with Corey, really, the first sound, really, when we talked. Um, and then it was interesting to get to Langdon Hall because it was so, you know, it was sort of um, romantic and also scary. But it was actually really beautiful because Corey was very romantic and arranged this gorgeous loft um, to be uh, that that space that had a fireplace. We had wine. We had beer. I brought beer and wine just in case we needed extra booze. <laughs> and um, it was it was so it was magical, really. I mean, that's the truth. And um, it was so. I mean, it's a very fancy place too. So I was sort of feeling really extra special there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Corey paid. <laughs> that's extra special. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So so where did the relationship go from there? Because Corey's in Bermuda, you're in London. What happened? Well, we I was also like in Toronto a lot. So he would come down to Toronto on weekends or yeah, so as the, much as we could. It was kind of a funny thing because we would we would sort of arrange it um where I would go to Toronto. You would come in for like um for work. For work and do some some things in Toronto and sort of set up uh basically like a kind of like an Airbnb situation there yeah. back then. And um anyways, I would come in from London because I had to work sort of you know, 40 hours a week to pay for things. <laughs> and um I would drive in and I would be so excited. But we did that for a lot of months months and months and months um probably about six months yeah it was really hard just with the distance yeah like we went sometimes months without seeing each other so that was yeah it was hard but the thing that was really romantic about that is it made you really when you were together made you really appreciate each other and that was something that was really special and the thing that was really also a part of this was um we had arranged to live together i think it was in january of that first like like i guess it was six months afterwards 2004 yeah so it 
so anyways, we ended up moving to Toronto um, about six months in, and we took the plunge to live together. And it was it was one of those things where we both decided to sort of spend time in Toronto as our hub. But you went back to Bermuda a lot as well. Mm-hmm. We were doing that as well because of your job there. And um, I I love those moments in Toronto. We had about two years sort of of that. Yeah. And it was very special. Yeah. And just being from two countries too, it wasn't, it was a dance. It was a dance. It was a lot to maneuver. Yeah. A lot of time not spent together, which was really hard at the beginning. Thankfully, we don't really have to do that anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Now you're stuck together in lockdown. (laughs) As you know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Careful what you wish for, right? Um, I'm curious, you know, your description of, of how you felt when you were together is so lovely. What challenges did you face in terms of how the world reacted to you as a couple? Mm, That's a good question. Well, the thing that's interesting about, you know, as, as you may or may not know, if you're listening to this, you don't have the visual, um, but Corey is black and I am white. And, um, you know, that alone is a huge sort of I think just it's an expanse of of a lot of things that we learned about each other from a space of um really complexity that was wonderful and beautiful and cultural and deep and rich um and then you know the challenge of that was also Bermuda so I didn't really I'd never been to Bermuda um so I didn't really know what that looked like or you know the culture of Bermuda really so I learned a lot um in those early first six months and then I ended up going to Bermuda and learned about a place I really knew nothing about and it's so funny with the you know the song Bermuda Bahamas come on pretty Mm -hmm. much that's pretty much all I knew about Bermuda and what I learned which was so interesting is the richness of Bermuda um, from a culture that is so deeply rooted with Britain and um, you know some good some bad some challenges of course and how um, complex it is in terms of business and finance. Um, and there's also the factor, too, of when we first started dating, I was also just starting to come out as well. Right. So I wasn't fully out of the closet. Hmm. So wow. it's also going on the journey of finding really like true love and also being my true authentic self. So it was kind of hard maneuvering that just with my family and whatnot. My family was right. not super accepting at the beginning. It has been a process over the years. <laughs> well said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a process, but yeah, those were very hard challenges at the beginning. They were, I forgot how deep and really quite frankly complicated that could be at times too. It was complicated at the yeah. beginning, just the dance of the the secret, right? The dance of the, coming out of that secret space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the first time, Paul, that you went to Bermuda, mm. Corey, did your family and friends know, or was that a secret, that visit? Well, the first time Paul came to Bermuda, I, he stayed at the beautiful Elbow Beach Hotel. Yeah, it was oh, so, I love it. it was very special, Corey. I flew in on Air Canada and it was the most insane storm (laughs) so when i landed if anybody's ever landed in bermuda when it's really windy you know it and uh, the runway's quite short so i remember that sort of came into the storm but then i woke up in the morning that day 
that first morning and it was the most beautiful hotel I think I've ever been to that overlooks the most gorgeous shore. But he stayed there and didn't meet my parents nor any of my friends the first time. It was just us, which was kind of, it's nice to get that love in and whatnot before actually having to deal with the real world and the reality of my coming out. Yeah. So you didn't meet my parents until when? Well, I think um, it was, I met, you know, I met your mom, I think on the second trip. Um, yeah. And then from that point forward, we were just friends. Yeah. <laughs> we were just friends. friends. And really was, good friends. I yeah. slept on the couch and that was interesting, you know, kind of thing. Um, but little did, little did, um, you know, your mom know at that time. Uh, really but you know that was sort of the way that it was especially um you know you have to keep in mind that was quite a number of years ago too so long ago yeah Yeah, you were you were pioneers in some ways when you think about how closed-minded people were then yeah well bermuda is also a very it's a very christian-based country I think that there are more churches in Bermuda per capita than anywhere in the world. Yeah. So and it's Christian fundamentalism, fish, sort of Christian like a little bit more, a little bit more extreme, right. You know? right? And especially like back then, like yeah. homophobia was rampant and stuff. So yeah, it was yeah. a big, it was a big journey. Let me say, yeah, yeah. both of us, huge. Well, it speaks to the courage that it that it took and and still takes i'm I'm not trying to downplay the the courage that it takes some people now but it really must have taken an amazing amount of fortitude for you to as they say come out of the closet and say this is who i am yeah it's a huge i mean for anyone that knows anyone that's gay or been through the process of it um You know, we also must keep in mind for those listeners that are listening, when we first, you know, when we were children, um, I was born in 1977. I was born in 76. So it's important to remember the world. It was just, you know, at the start of the AIDS epidemic or the HIV crisis, really. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we grew up thinking that and told often that if you're you're gay, gay, you're going to die of AIDS or HIV. And, you know, we we sort of were really scared in the closet sort of boys. I know we've talked about that. So we grew up in that. And then coming out of that, you know, I told my mom, I sort of was forced out of the closet from my aunt, which I thank her for. Um, You're telling your mother now. And I thank her so much for that because it just pushed me in a way that I needed to be pushed so that we could just deal with it. And thankfully, it was really beautifully received. Um, You were 22, right? No, I think I was actually in... I think I was about 18 when I told my mom, maybe 19. I think it's a little bit foggy. And then I told my dad actually two years later, and I told my mother not to tell my father. <laughs> I needed I needed some time to just do one at a time. Yeah. So she agreed and that worked out well. So, yeah. But I mean, it was a long process to being gay is a really. Well, know, it's, it's like it's, it's also. It's also like putting your toe in the pond. Like Yeah, you have to dip in. Dip and- in, dip in, dip in, dip in. <laughs> it's actually interesting. We were walking while we were driving. We were just at the grocery store yesterday. We were walking down the street. This, this little boy was walking down the street, and he couldn't have been more than 14 years old. And I don't want to, like, it's not really stereotyping, but you can tell that he was gay. And it was just so refreshing for me as a 
45 year old man to see that just these kids are coming out so much younger liberated is, you know liberated. they're so liberated and we, we were just talking just that would never have happened for us at that age yeah no ever and what about the, any shift that you've felt in the past you know 15 months since the black lives matter movement really got underway or took you know full steam um what sort of shift have you felt in the world in the past year or so well that's a very excellent question and there's there's definitely there's been a seismic shift Hmm. there's been a shift in the way that i don't think actually i don't think i know that we haven't discussed these issues like we've discussed over the last 15 years the truth has just been laid bare like it's honest it's raw it's authentic and there's really no hiding from it anymore and it's it's very liberating and it's 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 been very hard having to witness that as a black person but it's also been very it's been needed mm. we've had to have these discussions and these conversations and I just feel like we've just been sweeping it under the rug for far too long. And it's just at the forefront. Like you can't deny it anymore. One of the things that I, you know, I wanted to let Corey obviously share that first. Um, The first thing that comes to my heart is that it's been very challenging to watch and listen and see um, Corey actually going through what's been going on. So you know, it's for me, it's sort of it's been harder to watch that space for Corey's challenge with just I think just the world of 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 that past, right? Coming into this moment. And the thing that I just wanna I wanna say that comes to my heart as well is just when I lived in Bermuda, um, because we did end up actually living in Bermuda, I actually sort of kind of I pushed that a lot when we were first together. After living in Toronto for two years, I then moved to Bermuda with Corey um, permanently for um, the first time. And the thing that was very interesting for me as someone that is white, um, living in a predominantly Black place was so beautiful in ways that I grew and understood so much that I was so ignorant in, actually. And I think a lot of times people that are white don't really, really have that experience. And I think for me, I'm one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life is actually live in Bermuda. Um, And I think just seeing the beauty of a culture that is so rich in in family and values and caring about it. It's a small island. It's 21 square miles. And I learned things by living there and being a minority, actually. Um, and it was really powerful. So just to go to your question, you know, it's been really challenging, I think, for for so many people going through what's been going on. And, you know, seeing what police have done to people is just, I mean, there's no words for it. There's, I mean, it's just, it's beyond words, really. And it just seems like there's something every day. So just the processing of that, it's just, it just, it just keeps coming. It just keeps snowballing. And and um just witnessing really and being a witness to it has just been it's it has been very difficult yeah but also liberating as well and then throwing covid yes (laughs) yeah yeah it's all too much isn't it but it seems to me that your love and your story is an amazing kind of counterbalance to all of that um Mm. difficulty 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, love, you know, I always say my Angelou, Dr. My Angelou always said that love liberates. And this is the thing. Love builds bridges. Um, and we were talking about that actually on our walk today. Um, but, you know, I think that this is the thing with with the times that we're in is just, you know, really coming back to the base the basics of just really, quite frankly, the heart and the soul and living from the space of liberating the world with our love. And I think that's what we're living in right now. And that's my intention right now. And I also feel so blessed to have him just in my life. Like this past year obviously has been so hard. Like a lot of people have divorced, separated and whatnot. And yeah we've like we've made we've it's actually funny like we spend so much time together <laughs> and we we like you're my best friend like he's yeah. my best friend i enjoy his company and i think like the thing that happened when like this whole covid thing started couples were spending so much time together and after not having spent so much time together so him and i doing this during covid it's kind of just like we were well prepped we were very well prepped (laughs) this podcast is brought to you by charm diamond centers canada's largest family-owned jewelry store they are proud to be putting love on the map and the staff at charm diamond centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too so visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores love starts here it feels also, though, that your loves, just speaking about your love on this podcast or as you do so often in the world, is a balm on a lot of the troubles out there. It's like broadcasting your love is a really positive thing. Mm, that's Thank sweet. you for saying that. It's very sweet. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting, like just with what, with what I do and, you know, Corey, Corey has been such a huge stabilizing force for being, staying grounded really, you know, and um, it's emotional to be a public person. You know, this is the thing that Corey has, that's a huge asset to me. And I don't think I could do what I do without Corey. So we've been prepared, I think for years to sort of, I've been public technically for 10 years. And I think the thing that these times have really done is, I think we've been prepared to be in them is sort of my point in where we go from here. And I think love is really, you know, my intention and in everything that I do, as you know, is love. And, you know, I think self-love in particular and having, you know, my dad with suicide, I think that it's really important to first love yourself. And this goes into the times that we're in. And I think that we're going into these deep dives within now and love liberates Let's talk about that public life that you're referring to. And Paul, maybe maybe you can tell our listeners about how your dad's death sort of triggered your music career. Yeah, well, um, the it's, it's such a big story, and I'm asked about it often, but the most important thing is that um, I always go to the date to start with. So it was March the 6th of 2011. And my father um, sadly took his own life, uh, for those that may not know. And um, it was, you know, one of those moments that, you know, everything, my life is divided really into two parts, really, Mm -hmm. before that and after that. And um, the old me has had to figure out how to be the new me. (laughs) 
And it was a moment where I could no longer really do what I did before because I had to heal something that I never thought I would ever have to experience. And to do that, there's only one way that I could do that was with God. I used to say that with humility. Um, but you know, from that space forward, I became someone that was asked to sing music for God. I mean, that's really the truth. Corey, what's it been like to be part of um, the very cool experience of Paul's path to fame, as it were? <laughs> well, at the beginning, I was not a fan. <laughs> 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 it's the truth of our story, right? Like, Come on, really? Well, I'm an intensely private person. So, and I didn't even know that he <laughs> was this amazing singer. <laughs> I remember the first time he went into the studio and he recorded and he obviously like allowed me to hear the music after. And I was like, wow, that's you. So he was hiding something from me for all those years. And um, I wasn't playing, like, it's funny. I wasn't playing like you, any, I really didn't right. play any music. I didn't play the piano. Didn't really sing. I, he, Corey just thought it was, a, you know, a hobby right. as just as such. But it's funny. After my dad died, um, when I brought that first, it was in 2011. I did a recording um, in September of 2011, um, and it was funny because he, I remember just push putting the the video up online and actually hitting the send button. And my mom, Corey, and myself, we were so scared to put this public truth out there. And I was know? like, are you sure you want to do We this? all just sort of looked at each other and <laughs> like, oh my God. And then, you know, that moment sort of was. And also too, like he has been pulling me soft at the beginning, but I think that I was <laughs> pulled into it kicking and screaming yeah, at he, the beginning. He really was, you know, it's funny. We, we haven't really talked about that too much publicly, which is funny, but he, <laughs> And then, he, the, and there have also been a few instances like which have not sat well with me. Yeah, yeah. But, I've had a couple um, of crazy fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You step into the big arena, yeah. and and that can happen for sure. Yeah. But th this is the amazing thing. So your song, "My Heart," has found its way into hearts literally around the world. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, it's sort of an interesting thing. So um, I had this vision when I was probably about um, 17 or 18 that I would write. And, you know, for those that may or, you know, been to a psychic or had that inner voice understanding, I, I was so clueless as to what that was really like. But I had a, an inner voice that was always sharing things with me as a kid um, that was confusing. And I had a, a moment where it was that you will write a quantum heart love song for the world. And I was very confused as a child when I heard that sort of inner voice tell me this. And when <laughs> I wrote this song, the same inner voice, you know, in my 30s said that this is the quantum heart love song. And I had no idea at the time, you know, I wrote this actually probably around 20, 2012, 2013, and then recorded it. Um, on my Love Expanding Love album, which was one of my first bigger ones. And it was released in 2014 uh, from London, England is where we were living at the time. And, uh, you know, it went out and it made its way essentially to Christian Northrop, Dr. Christian Northrop, who then actually, you know, 
through a number of experiences, ended up sharing it to honor Louise Hay's life, um, essentially in uh, San Diego, California. And it just sort of um, amplified, amplified it and just kept going. And it's, you know, it's used in hospitals and healing clinics and um, hospices and, you know, so many different ways. Anita Morgeni uses it in her workshops and lectures. Um, and it's all about placing your hand on your heart and really saying, I love you to yourself, um, for yourself. Well, it's the ultimate self-love song. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because, you know, it, it people use it sort of, um, almost as a spiritual practice, that song, um, some people. So it's been a big experience, you know. Put your hand on your heart And put your hand on your heart And say Yeah, I was going to say it's so much more than just a song, if you don't mind me saying that. Um, and Louise Hay was the founder of Hay House Publishing, which, of course, has done many, many uh, uh, hundreds, probably thousands of spiritual books. But she was like the godmother of self-love. She really was the first person I ever heard talking about the importance of loving yourself. and. I have this feeling that for many of us, we're much more in a place of self-loathing than self-love. And I remember being really uncomfortable, even with the phrase self-love, it's like, really? But yeah. I think it's because it's like, it's so far from where you are. It doesn't seem possible. Can we talk about how self-love factors into that song and your lives? Well, what, what I'll share with you about, I love how you um, really set that up because Louise Hay, you know, really, quite frankly, the cornerstone is that um, when you love yourself, you heal your life. And she's very famous for a book uh, called You Can Heal Your Life. And that's mm -hmm. over 55 million copies or more. God only knows how many now. <laughs> so the thing that's very interesting is when you love yourself, she believed that you could heal your life and not just believed it, but lived it. And, um, you know, her life was a dedication to healing the world. And that work continues on with thousands and thousands of teachers all around the world that teach that course that she actually based around that book. And I think we're learning more and more that when when you really are honest about the world of today, we're, we're actually our own worst enemy. We're horrible to ourselves. <laughs> I know, you know, I've been horrible to myself, you know, that self-loathing you mentioned. So I think what's interesting is we're living in a time where we're starting to take accountability for really, quite frankly, our thoughts and the way that we use our words. And I think it's important when you start with those things, because words and thoughts have power and they create things. Our lives and how we think and feel about ourselves create the life and the experiences that we'll have so when you love yourself her whole model is based around the fact that you start basically healing your heart and you know i think that we're all growing up so to speak as you know becoming um able to admit that we're not always nice to ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. and I think we've not really done that intentionally, but we were taught to basically be quiet, 
not have, you know, that outward, you know, just live privately within ourselves, but we're starting to share that outwardly now. Well, you've shared it outwardly. You've traveled around the world uh, with your music in general, but I think uh, that song has been such an engine as well. I'm curious, Corey, what has it been like for you watching and, and traveling along with Paul while this is unfolding? Well, the traveling, let me preface, is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been wild. It's been amazing. And it's it's been such a treat. And to get him to witness and watch him to do what he loves has been special. It's been very special. And it's also like, it's just, I'm immensely proud of him watching him, what he does and just how people relate to him. Like people love him and he loves people. And I think the reason why they love him so much is because he comes from his heart. Like he's such a hard centered person. Like he would take the shirt off his back. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, you know, all, I think that there's been such a huge movement with people, um, you know, this, you know, as you know, the stage is a funny place um, and it creates a lot of egos. (laughs) So the thing that's so beautiful about those spaces is people tell you things that they have never told anyone else. What is it about music that is such a, a portal for healing for you? I say this with humility, but I think that what's really cool is that music, real music comes from the heart, it comes from the soul, and the voice is how it gets out to people. And it goes back to Dr. Maya Angelou, who taught me that words have power. Louise Hay taught me that thoughts have power. And when you put them together, it's the heart and the soul in manifest that gets to reach the other heart and soul. And one by one by one, something happens. And music comes from the inside and it goes to the inside and it bypasses the brain because it it is a technology of the heart and the soul. That is the most powerful description. I'm I'm sitting here almost speechless, which for me is really saying something. Um, <laughs> but thank you for that. No, it's so thought provoking. It's really beautiful, and I think we all can resonate with that because if you love music, you know that it cha- it has the ability to change your state. You know, yeah. it can it can change your your mental state and your and and the way your heart feels. Let's talk about what you love about Corey, Paul. Hmm. Well, that's a very beautiful question and a big one. I love everything about the way that Corey, um, I think, is, you know, someone once, um, one of, I think it was one of my fans somewhere along the way, a friend that explained you as a tree. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, trees often just really um, remind us that we are strong, sturdy, stable, and we're able to handle storms at times. You know, like I really like the metaphor of the tree for Corey and it, you know, wisdom, you know, year by year, just gradually growing. Um, I really like that spiritual sort of analogy and not to mention trees provide oxygen so that we have atmosphere um, and have life. So I like to sort of remind, you know, myself and just to share Corey as a beautifully powerful, strong, old, wise tree. Um, And, you know, I think the thing that I would also say about Corey is that um, the thing that he has taught me in my life, among many things, um, is to really make sure that you are impeccable 
with when you say you're going to do something, do it. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times people waver on, you know, you say something and don't do it. If you're, if you're going to say something and you say you're going to do it, you do it. And I think I used to not be so great at that. I think I wavered around, you know, like a lot of us. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it reminded me that, you know, if you're, you say you're going to do something, do it and held me accountable actually for the things I said I was going to do. And I think that's a really important thing. If you want to create a life, you have to be very good with that. So I thank Corey for that. And on top of all of that, he has the most beautiful heart. What you just said, Paul, speaks about partnership to me, just a beautiful example of partnership. Corey, what do you love about Paul? Well, I love that he is fiercely loyal. He, he's such a great friend. He's an amazing friend. And I love that he's a dreamer. And, you know, I just love the way that he, I just love the way that he carries himself. He carries himself in a way that he, you are impeccable with your word and you just love people. And I love the way that you interact with people because you're just a good person, (laughs) you know, and he's wise and He's also intensely funny. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's just, I often say it's just interesting. Like, I feel like when I see him, I see just a little boy and I see myself just as a little boy too. So it's like, we're just like little boys just meander through, through, through life together. Like he's nine. No, I'm nine and you're eight. And (laughs) we're just best friends. Yeah. Do you feel so lucky to have that? I do. 100%. It's, you know, the the best thing in life is really um, when you start to figure out that you get to sort of just sit back a little bit more and relax and enjoy, even in hard times, you know, when you have somebody to share life with. Um, and, you know, relationships are a lot of work. I'll be the first to admit oh, that. Absolutely. You know, you, as anybody that's ever been in one for 18 years or more, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, doesn't just happen and it takes a lot of um you know balancing and talking and communicating and i think as a child you you not you don't really understand what that's like until you're in it but what i love about i always say i want to reach the front porch with Corey at the end of our life you know and just to be able to sit on a front porch in a beautiful spot yeah and he's yeah he's just such a beautiful man and it makes me want to cry sorry that french front porch image just makes me want to cry because i i really think that there's something about just being old having lived a life i want to live to get to that front porch and just you know just sit back and go we did it you know a friend of mine would call it um your rocking chair man yeah yeah good good words good words he's also the kindest person you'll ever meet which is Hmm. a definitely added bonus (laughs) 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 that's the bonus well I can't tell you how grateful I am that you were willing to share your love story with us today thank you for having us Nancy the only person that I would ever do this for this intimate is you because you're pretty damn amazing so thank you for just doing what you do and I'm really honored actually that you asked so thank you Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. Podstarter.